All right. Wow. Thank you so much. So glad to be able to be with you during these uh, three um, moments, you know, this month and in March and in April, I'll be back. And uh, I just want to say thank you to your president. We were so pumped and excited to hear that they became the new leadership here at North Central University. We love Pastor Scott and Karen. Of course, that's what we call them, but now President Hagen uh, and everything that's going on. And you also have an amazing leader, and I know that you know that already. Um, what you said about me, I mean, who can live up to something like that? That's pretty crazy stuff, but I'll do my best to preach to you today. Let me just give you some facts about my life. So I have been pastoring at Allison Park Church for 27 years, and um, I'm married to my wife, Melody, for 30, okay? And we have five children. Uh, my oldest, David, is 27. My youngest is 18, and we have a grandson, which is the pride and joy of our life. We love that. And uh, as, as Pastor President Hagen mentioned, um, you know, we have been a church planning church. So one of the things that I love to do in my life is believe in and invest in young leaders who have a dream to plant a church. And we have, out of our church, helped to parent 30 directly, okay? So a young guy or gal who has a vision to plant a church, we'll get back behind them and send them out to plant a church. And then what happens with movements is um, when you start something, it often continues to have momentum. And so how we get to the number of over 100 is uh, those churches that we've planted have planted, so we have granddaughter churches and great-granddaughter churches, and we get to invest in those and celebrate those, but that's um, one of the things that I love to do in my life. So I'm not going to talk to you today, though, about church planting because um, the particular endowment that I'm a part of is called the Moen Preaching Chair. So what I want to do is just preach to you, if that's okay. And I want you to take out your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 10, and we're going to just read a couple of verses in a minute. And I want to talk about something that I think is very applicable to your life today, okay? So let me tell you about the first time I ran on a treadmill, okay? I, I was about 20 years ago. I know it's a very common practice. I was up in your workout facility yesterday doing a workout, but it was my first time to join a health club and my first time to use the equipment. Everything I had done from an exercise point of view when I was younger was outside if I was going to run, and I didn't like running anyway, so I just really didn't do it that much. And uh, I remember I had gone in, and they had trained me on the various pieces of equipment, and I got on the treadmill, and, you know, they taught me what, what to do, you know, how to make it go faster and the proper use of it. It's a pretty simple piece of equipment. I get it. And there were 10 treadmills. hope you can see this now. 10 treadmills in a line facing a wall with a mirror. I don't know why we need to look at ourselves when we work out, but it is true, isn't it the case? So there's a mirror right in front, and there's these 10 treadmills, and my treadmill was on the, the, the far left end, and around the circle of the workout facility was a, was a track where people would run. So there was like a big circle around the equipment, and I was right on the end, and I was running at like 6.0 on the treadmill, and because I was a local pastor, some of the people who belonged to the club knew who I was. And so they would be walking past, and as they walked past, they were like, hey, Pastor Jeff. And I'd be like, hey, it's, how you doing? Yeah, so I was running, greeting people, and then somebody decided they needed an impromptu counseling session, right, as they're walking by. Now, you know what's coming, right? I'm running on the treadmill. I'm not used to it yet. They walk by and say, hey, can I talk to you about something? And for a second, I stopped to have a conversation. 
So you know what happened, right? So it kicked me off the back, and I rolled a little ways, and people looked at me like, what's going on? And then when they finally realized I was okay, somebody said, you know, what were you thinking? And I was like, I wasn't thinking. That's why I did it, right? So, so that's, what, that's, that's kind of this episode in my life, which becomes kind of a metaphor for a lot of times the way that life feels. Now, let me just describe. The treadmill is kind of this unique piece of equipment, isn't it, where you're running and you're expending a lot of energy, but you're going nowhere, right? So a lot of times in life, it feels like this. We're running and expending a lot of energy, but it doesn't feel like we're getting ahead. And life is stressful, and we, you know, go at a certain pace, and we're exhausted, and we wonder, is this ever going to end? But you can't just jump off, right? Because life doesn't just offer us that opportunity where all of a sudden you can just stop, you know? And so if you stop, then you end up damaging yourself in one way. So you're a little bit trapped. If you keep going, you're not going anywhere. And if you stop, your life ends up getting messed up. Okay, so life on a treadmill is a good metaphor for the way sometimes it feels. I'll just describe, you know, life on a treadmill. I, I said I have five children. Um, my wife is an MK and when our kids were younger, sometimes she would go down to Latin America to visit her family, and so for a week or so, I would be a single parent. And during those weeks, I grew to have tremendous respect for single moms and dads, because it's like a treadmill, right? Here's basically what that week looked like for me. I'd wake up in the morning, I'd get my kids out of bed, get them breakfast, get them ready for school, get them on the bus, get them off to school, go to work, work all day long, deal with complicated issues, come home in time to get them off the bus, get them a snack, get them their homework done, cook dinner, feed them dinner, clean up from dinner, get them bathed, get them in bed, do some work I forgot to do, had to get done, go to sleep, wake up, do it again. And this becomes a lifestyle if you're raising children all by yourself. It is like being on a treadmill. You wonder, this is stressful. The pace just won't let up, and I can't stop being a mom or a dad. Who will rescue me from this situation that I'm in? Or how about this? You might be a university student, and you have tests to take and reports to write, and you got a job to make some money to pay the bills you can't afford to pay, and then you got commitments and ministries you signed up for and the church you belong to, and mom and dad want you to come home because there's some kind of family thing, but if you do, you're going to put stress on this. I don't know if anybody, anyone ever experienced anything like this before? Okay, you know what I'm talking about, right? So, you, so you're on the treadmill. Maybe you're a faculty member, or, and you are teaching classes, grading papers, and doing your own stuff with your family. It belonged to your church, and then you're going on for furthering education and writing papers all the time, and life just feels a little bit like it's a treadmill, right? We're running, running, running. The pace is picking up. Maybe you're even like the president of a university and you just came back from Chicago and you're not even sure what state you're in and you're just kind of wondering who's speaking in chapel tomorrow. I have no idea. Life feels, life feels a little bit like that, right? It feels like we're on a treadmill. Okay, so what do you do? Here's the question. What do you do when you can't stop and you don't feel like you can't, you can't, you can't keep going anymore? And here's what I want to take you now to Luke chapter 10. I love this story in Luke chapter 10. It's a Jesus story, one of my favorite Jesus stories because it shows us his real-life ministry a little bit, okay? Luke chapter 10, very end of the chapter, and here's what it tells us, verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home 
to him. Everybody say the, the name Martha. Okay, so, so Martha, we, we now are going to introduce to you characters in the New Testament that are three siblings. Martha, who's always mentioned first, which means that she is the eldest, Mary, her sister, and of course the third and probably the most famous of the three is Lazarus. They live in a village about two miles outside of the city of Jerusalem called Bethany, and often this village is the place where Jesus and his disciples would retreat to as they were doing ministry in the city of Jerusalem. So they would come down from Galilee, walk about 70 miles from that place, get into Jerusalem, do ministry in the city. When they were done, they would retreat to Martha's bed and breakfast. Okay, and so Martha's the oldest sibling, and it's her job to take care of the household, and this is why she's mentioned first. And it says the next verse, she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. So now here, Martha is taking care of the clan. She has some kind of big house that can take care of the 12 disciples and the clan that travels with Jesus. As soon as they roll into town and there was no way for Jesus to text ahead that he was coming, so oftentimes he would just sort of show up and all of a sudden now Martha was into full preparation mode as Jesus rolled into her home. And so Jesus and the disciples show up at her house, and it tells us that she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Now notice this, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but a few things are needed, indeed only one. And Mary has chosen what is best and will not be taken from her. Now, let me just be honest with you. I have read this story many times, and every time I read it, it bothered me. And here's why. There are these two sisters, Martha and Mary. And every time they're mentioned, it kind of describes their personality. Martha is an industrious, results-oriented, task-focused human being. She is the person who wakes up in the morning and makes a to-do list and doesn't feel she can go to bed at night until all the things on her list are crossed off. She's the person that's caring for everybody and taking care of everybody. And so Jesus shows up at the house, and she is being what she is and putting her needs aside to take care of everybody else. And Mary, every time we see Mary listed in the Scripture, Mary is this highly relational human being. We, we see her sitting at the feet of Jesus, right? And listening to what he says, in, in John chapter 11, we see the moment where Lazarus is, is in the tomb, he's died. Where do we find Martha when Jesus shows up in town? She's at the gate with her watch out like this. Jesus, where have you been? Come on, you said, we called for you four days ago, you're late. Where, where's Mary? Mary's draped over her friends. Can you see her? She's weeping because her brothers died. She's near the tomb. So you have this task-oriented person, Martha, and this people-oriented person, Mary, and Jesus shows up at the house, and Martha's doing all the work. And Jesus says, Mary is doing the right thing, Martha, and you're missing the mark. You need to do what Mary's doing. And let me just confess to you, I'm the to-do list guy. I'm, I'm the results-oriented, task-oriented person that I relate more to Martha, and I feel a little insulted like, Jesus, how can you say that Mary is better than Martha. This makes no sense. Let's just have a show of honesty for a minute. How many of you think you're a little bit more that task-oriented to-do list person? Yeah. How many of you feel like you are the party waiting to happen, Mary? Okay, there you go. 
All right, super. All right, come on. Yeah. All right. So, so the Mary's in the room. You are like, yeah, absolutely. I love this passage, right? Okay. So it bothered me. It bothered me. And anytime you come across a passage of scripture that hits you the wrong way, there's often more insight there than at first read. So can we just see, can we just see this? this moment. Okay, so imagine big courtyard. Jesus is sitting someplace, and his disciples are sitting around, and Mary's in the center of it all, just kind of listening to what's going on. Now, Martha has got all the servants going crazy making lunch, and she walks by with the tray. Can you see her now? Mary's sitting there. Jesus, she walks by. She looks. She gives that kind of evil eye look to her sister. Sister doesn't even pick up on it, right? So she walks by again. This time, she goes like this. Still, doesn't even, doesn't seem to notice, right? And, and walks by again, and finally, Martha has had it. And what does she do? She doesn't say, Mary, get up and help me. She says like this, Jesus, why don't you make Martha, excuse me, Mary, help me with what's going on? I've watched you do miracles before. You've, you've opened eyes of the blind. You've, you've, you've caused deaf ears to come up. Do a miracle. Make my sister Mary do some work around the house here. Right? Isn't this basically what she says? She rebukes Jesus in front of the whole room for the frustration that she's feeling. And what does Jesus say? Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted about so many things. But only one thing is needed, and Mary has figured it out, and I'm not going to take this away from her. Now, what did he, what was he saying here? He was not saying, it is better to be people-oriented than task-oriented. He wasn't saying, Martha, your personality is the wrong one. Here's what he was basically saying. You are worried and distracted. Listen, you are worried and distracted. And this worry and distraction in your life is keeping you back from something that you need to grab hold of. Worried and distracted. Here's basically what Martha had started to believe. I understand this. Here's what she believed. As soon as it's over, listen, as soon as it's over, as soon as this difficult season is over, as soon as this test is completed, as soon as the report has been written, as soon as this tough trial I'm in is finished, then at the end of this journey that I'm on, then I'll stop and start to enjoy my life. But I can't enjoy it yet. i got to make lunch first. As soon as lunch is made and everyone is served, then I'll stop and enjoy the moment that I'm in. But here's the problem. Here's what I've discovered. If you keep putting off your life and the enjoyment of your life until later when it's all taken care of and all fixed and all completed and all done, whatever you're in right now is stressful. But here's what I found out. When that's over, there's something else that shows up that's even more stressful than the last thing. And sometimes they come in bunches. So if you keep on putting your life off for later, then you never get to the place where you're really living. So he was saying this, Martha, you're worried and distracted about many things. If you could only just learn this one principle, and here's the idea. I'll sum it up like this. Martha, here's what we need to learn. Here's here's what I need to learn today. I'm preaching now to myself. Listen, joy in your life is in the journey, not in the destination. If you're going to have joy in your life, it's not when it's all done. It's not when it's all fixed. and It's not when it's all over. It's in the moment you're in right now. So if you feel like you're on the treadmill of life, you can't keep putting off joy till later because joy is in the journey, not in the destination. You got to slow down. You got to take a deep breath. You got to enjoy your life. 
you got to recognize what's happening in the moment that you're in. I'll tell you one of these moments that it really hit home with me. I, I had been on a missions trip for a couple of weeks in Ethiopia. Um, it was a hard missions trip, many flight delays. It was one of these trips where we lost our luggage on the way in. We uh, had to buy clothes at the local market. They didn't fit right. Everything smelled funny. You know, long flight across the ocean. And I remember, I remember sitting, you know, next to the person on the plane and noticing they were leaning more towards the side and going through security line and realizing that people were trying to step a little bit further. And then I did one of these numbers and I realized that I was casting off quite an odor from my experience. So I was tired and hungry and I smelled bad and I was longing to be home. And we got into the Atlanta airport and I was on my way up on the escalator. And if you've ever been to the Atlanta airport, it has these huge long escalators that lead you up into the various gate areas. And I was I was standing in line, you know, on that escalator, just longing to go back to Pittsburgh and got to the top of the escalator. And there I saw it in the distance, this green lit sign that said Starbucks. <laughs> I was like, oh, thank you, Jesus. That's what I need right now. So I walked over and I got in line and I waited my turn and I got my grande dark roast and put a little cream in there. And I was just like, this is going to taste so good. I haven't had good coffee in two weeks. Oh, my goodness. And I got ready to bring the cup to my lips. And I thought, I want to smell this thing. So I popped the lid off, and I smelled that Starbucks. And I took a sip of coffee, and I was like, oh, that is good coffee. And then the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He said, it's kind of a weird time for the Holy Spirit to speak. Yeah, here's what I felt like he said to me. Why don't you always enjoy your coffee like this? Don't you realize what a blessing this is, that you have things like this in your life and you often overlook them and just are focused on all the other stuff that's going on? So you should slow down, drink this cup of coffee as an act of worship. So I did. I worshiped my way through my grande dark roast. I did the whole way through. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, this is so good. And the next week, I lived my life like that. Everything I tasted, I thanked God for it. Everything I enjoyed, I worshiped because God is a good God. And there's more than enough of God's goodness in the moment that you're in right now to sustain you. Let me just tell you, God lives in the moment. He is the great I am. And the Holy Spirit, listen, he lives on the inside of you. And he has more than enough peace and joy for the moment that you're in right now to sustain you through whatever you're going through. You don't have to wait till later because he's in the house right now. Yeah. Think about it. Now, if you were to go back and talk to Martha, wouldn't you say, look, Martha, I know you're making lunch, but the Son of God is in your living room. Think about it. God in the flesh is sitting down in your courtyard, and you are worried about sandwiches. They're going to write about this in history. We're going to study you 2,000 years later, and you're worried about how the lunch is going to come out. Hey, wake up. Don't you realize Jesus is in the house? I want you to understand, you are at North Central University. You're a follower of Jesus. Your sins have been forgiven. You are filled with the Holy Spirit. You have the destiny of eternal life. There is something good going on in your life. I know not everything's perfect yet, but realize... Your life will not take on the dimension it's supposed to take just because everything gets fixed or the problem you're in gets over or the bill gets paid or the test gets passed. Joy 
is in the journey, not in the destination. Listen, sometimes you just got to stop and smell the Starbucks, right? Sometimes you just got to drink it in and say, God, you are so good right now in this moment. I just worship you. I don't know what it is you've been going through recently. I've been personally on a treadmill myself. And I found myself saying a lot like, God, when will this be over? And, and I wish I could just press the pause button here. And, but life just doesn't stop. And I have to constantly remind myself, the presence of God is in the moment that I'm in. And there's more than enough joy no matter what I face. If I'll just slow down, pause. And you know, you don't actually have to even have an hour of worship to do this. All you got to do, let's just practice right now. Just forget about everything else. I know you're getting ready to go to classes and other things. Can you just, can you just close your eyes right where you're at for a minute? Make this you and God moment. Think of something in your life that's good that maybe you've overlooked. Just take a deep breath and just, just say to God, just say, God, I thank you. You're so good, right? Just in your own way, you are so good to me. Help me not bypass this moment. This is a precious moment right now. And Jesus, I choose to live in the joy that you have placed in this moment that I'm in. I need you in my life. Just If you feel like it, just lift up your hands right where you're seated and stretch out to God and just, just thank him in your own way. Just thank God. Just, just thank him for his goodness. Just whatever he's done that's been so good in your life, just thank him for it. We thank you, Jesus. You are so good to us. Lord, now I pray for every administrator, every faculty member, for every student that's here, every guest, that throughout this day, Lord, you would just be a reminder to us of the fact that you're right here in the midst, walking with us, depositing in us what we need for the moment that we live in today at this moment. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand to our feet and we're going to spend a few minutes in worship now. Let's just, let's do this now. I know, I know there's other th- things that we have to go back, go back to and back into, but don't miss this moment right here. I love the way you guys worship God, by the way, here in North Central. Wow, it just blows my mind. I've been in many, many AG universities and North Central, guys, you, you lead the way when it comes to worship and passion. So let me just encourage that. Just right where you're standing, just lift up your hands. If you want to come to the front across this place, just go ahead and do that again. Just take a moment. This is about you and Jesus. This is about you and the Holy Spirit in your life right now. And Taylor, whatever you want to lead us in, let's sing together.